0: what my vision is and what my what I'm primarily interested in is the potential in letters mm. and I don't mean typography mhm I don't mean the science of letter design because I actually am not a fan of that I've guess I've worked in aspects of that for my job and you know the science of drawing letters or making letters uh into a readable piece of design is not something i'm interested in i'm interested in letters as individuals and i've described it in the past as like letters on their day off you know because (laughs) every day they shoulder a huge amount of responsibility we rely on typography and lettering to communicate important messages so i'm interested in where can we go with letters Over the next few weeks, we are
1: featuring some amazing, world-renowned artists we're really honored to have here as a part of Mural Fest and the Gravity Phase Two opening. So we're going to take our normal topics of childhood, their beginnings, how they ended up where they are, but it will be a short summer series featuring some really amazing, talented human beings and artists. I hope you enjoy each episode as much as I did. Pref is a British graffiti fine artist and muralist. He's known for his multi layered typographic style graffiti, incorporating an exploration of common words and key vernacular phrases. I hope you enjoy listening to Pref's exploration of words and life. It was really great for me to spend time with him, get to know him, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. All right, we're here on the Gravity Podcast with a new friend, Alex Pref. Yep, who's visiting us here at Gravity during Mural Fest and who has completed now a really beautiful wall for us. And yeah, just really great to to have you here in Columbus and be a part of Gravity and get a chance to spend some time with you. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, likewise.
1: So as we talked about a little bit last night and and before we went on air here that you know it's really important I think for for artists especially but for any creative and and really for all of us to understand the path towards the to the work that you're doing today and the success that you're having so you know let's let's go back to the very beginning I'd like to you know understand a little bit more about your early days, your early childhood and kind of who you were and, and you know, what your family dynamic was like.
0: Yeah. I grew up in Northwest London. Uh, I was born in 81. So I was very much like an eighties, an eighties child. And both of my act both of my parents were actors. Mm. They separated when I was very young, but my mum continued continue to act in bits of theater and TV stuff. So uh, from an early age, I, I had a, I guess, a creative family. My mm-hmm. my stepfather was a musician. So mm. I always had that sort of in my life, really, mm-hmm. rather than parents that were doing a traditional nine-to-five kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always liked drawing and, you know, I was it was always my thing. You know, just like we were talking about the other night, very much my thing and... Mm-hmm as soon as i could at school i focused on design and art mm-hmm. classes at that age not quite sure what eventually i was going to you know specialize in or work as or whatever right. but i just knew that it would be something in that in that
1: field let me let me just pause you there for a second cuz i'm curious to just dig in a little bit more on this family piece you know having yeah both your mother and father as actors and Mm -hmm. your stepfather as a musician. sounds like you were living with your mother and, and, and stepfather. Yeah. And yeah, I just curious, like in hindsight, looking back, Mm. you know, the, was just sort of the environment that you were in, you know, I, I would imagine, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what was that like and, and how much influence
0: did that really have on who you were? I mean, looking back at her had a huge influence because they both showed me that I can do whatever I want, mm-hmm. you know, for a start. And if that's something creative, then I just need to do that. Yeah. And that it's they they had followed their dream, I guess, in, in doing pursuing creative kind of jobs or mm-hmm. careers. Um so there was never any question really around that. It wasn't like we want you to be a doctor or if I had wanted to be a doctor that would have been completely fine but I was able to sort of do what I wanted to do and it felt very natural and very normal at the time they didn't push me towards Mm -hmm. being an artist or anything like that Mm -hmm. in fact neither of them are great visual artists in that way but Mm -hmm. it's just sort of a lifestyle thing yeah yeah definitely and my stepfather was a was a big influence create I mean he he got me into he came into my life when I was like seven or eight years old mm-hmm. and he got me into all kinds of things early on, like Salvador Dali, mm-hmm. and Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And he was very much into prog rock and jazz and all kinds of, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of music really, but showed me a lot of early examples of that in my life. and and music came a lot through him actually mm-hmm. more than my mom, who was always supportive, but it wasn't so much her, her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we spoke briefly, but he's a, he he grew up in Ohio. He's from Ohio. So yeah. When he came into my life, we travelled here. Uh huh. We came every couple of years in the beginning. Yeah. He he was from
1: Ohio, but was living in London.
0: He 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 had moved there not that long before. Okay. He had lived in Ohio for most of his life. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he um yeah, I guess he'd been in London a few years and met my mum. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. It's such a small world. I, I don't know why, you know, this connection to Ohio seems important, but, you know, here yeah. you are after, you know, all these years and you know, back working in Ohio. I mean, yeah. it's
0: just a, it's kind of a wild thing. It's huh? great. It's been a great, you know, it's been great to have the opportunity to come back. Yeah. And, and Yeah. Yeah. So tell me,
1: you know, drawing, you mm. know, became part of your life and that first comes into your life. You kind of just like doodling, you just pick up, do you remember, just picking up a pen, a pencil, you know, crayon. I don't know yeah. how young you were, but, you know, just
0: start to draw. Yeah. My mom describes some of the memory, earliest memories of my drawing where I would have like, she said she took me to work one day and we're in the canteen at work and I had a, a toy car, you know, a toy car. It was like, I can't remember one of the, those toy things. And she mm. said, I drew it with a pen with one line kind of without stopping. And she just said, my jaw just dropped. And it was obviously childlike drawing, but there was mm-hmm. such intent, I guess, with what I was doing. Mm. She said from that point on, she knew. Mm. And I was drawing from them. Earlier earliest stuff I was drawing was, uh, I was just drawing posters for my room. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved NBA mm-hmm. and baseball, mm-hmm. you know, we spoke about. Yeah. The calves and, the, yeah. you know, the Indians and the Browns. Because obviously I was getting sent all of that stuff from yeah. my family here. So yeah. I had, you know, Indians yeah. stuff and, and that was my thing. So, But I would draw the, the logos. I yeah. loved the logos. Yeah. Kind of I mean, that was a big early influence. And uh, and also coming here and discovering Mad Magazine. Uh-huh, sure. Because I had a cousin here that was an artist and was into that. And uh-huh. That blew my mind. Mm-hmm. That, because I was getting into skateboarding, mm-hmm. obviously the, you know, mid to late 80s skateboarding was big Mm -hmm. and really captured my interest i think was this idea of graphic design for kids or subversive graphic design stuff Mm -hmm. because you think about mad magazine is very much about poking fun Mm -hmm. at the establishment Mm -hmm. and so it was kind of like a comic book or cartoons that were a little bit kind of (laughs) you know maybe not kid appropriate all of it but it's, it's you know yeah. It was clever stuff and then also yeah. skateboard graphics at the time were doing a very similar thing. Yeah. You know, they were doing a logo pastiche, and, you know, making fun of. It was very anti-establishment. Right. So those two things were like really bubbling in me. Yeah. And when I was 11, after, you know, during this whole time coming here drawing posters, band, you know, NBA logos, mm-hmm. and I found a copy of a graffiti book called spray can art, which is Mm -hmm. what's traditionally known as the bible really Mm -hmm. in the graffiti world because at that time there was no printed media about graffiti or anything Mm. very few books this book was one of the the main books because it showed the lifestyle behind the artwork so Mm -hmm. i already had the skateboarding stuff already Mm -hmm loved mad magazine so when i found graffiti it mm. was like whoa look, yeah all of these things together yeah you no know, like such a heady mix oh yeah and how old were you when you kind of put all that together when i got that book i was 11 and i bought it i remember i bought it for 50p from flea market down the road from my house and i found it and i ran and i asked my mom can i buy this mm. and that was it as soon as i opened that book my head just exploded and i just couldn't
1: Yeah. There's something interesting, you know, about that culture and I'm not sure exactly where I'm going with this, but you know, I have a, I have memories of, I have a lot of Cleveland sports memories. I, I think it's hilarious by the way that, you know, you're in London and like your luck of all the American teams that you end up like being forced to be a fan of. It's It's the Cleveland sports, which were (laughs) decades of suffering, you know, it's like, you know, you could have picked the Yankees and, you know, the Cowboys and, you know, the, the America's teams, you know, but you ended up with the curse or blessing, I guess. I don't know. It's more of a curse of being a (laughs) Cleveland sports fan, but I'm intrigued with this, this, you know, coming together of these things Mm. that, that I also was really intrigued with. As a kid, the mm. skateboarding thing was a big deal. You know, I remember like finding friends and you know i actually i was i lived in Akron, you know, also I moved to Columbus when my parents got divorced when I was ten years old, and my friends here were all into sports. they played tennis, they did things i I didn't do, which I learned to do and ended up doing. but like over here was stuff like skateboarding mm-hmm. and And I used to also kind of draw all over my walls and, you know, collage, you know, athletes and stuff, right? Like even like album covers, I had a big dark side of the moon triangle that I stenciled onto my wall, right? And I found these people that were a little fringy, you know, in Columbus and my hometown of Bexley, Ohio, like the skateboarders were sort of the 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 punks, the troublemakers, right? But I liked those people, yeah. right? There was something about that energy right. that was really appealing to me. And I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it felt like more me, mm-hmm. you know? There was something very
0: exciting about that, that kind of, uh, those things. Absolutely. Well, it was, it was also, there was that secret, secretive kind of, Yeah, you can't just Google it. Yeah, yeah. So when it was much more feeling based, Mm. meeting a group of that feeling like this was this. I think this is my vibe. You know, this is my thing. There was no research you could really do other than just get involved and feel it. You know. Yeah. Right. But but yeah, I completely understand what I know exactly what you're saying, and I felt exactly the same thing. And I think that certain cultural things did get lumped together, and also something also much more particular back then was music you were into also mm. very much dictated mm-hmm. you, know, you dressed and mm-hmm. you hang out with and what you were into it was like your signifier your identity because you couldn't buy all types of music back mm-hmm. then. i mean even if you had all the money in the world you'd still have to go to the store and physically get it it's not like today where you know everybody listens to all kinds of genres of music because it doesn't really it's mm-hmm. just whatever but right. back then you have to really make more of a choice like mm-hmm. yeah this is this is me like what was it for you well i was really into leon i was really into hip-hop music. yeah i mean that was really my thing i think yeah. if you think about the anti-establishment kind of vibe i was going for visually like yeah. the sound that was really tying into you know like uh was also kind of a little bit risque. It yeah. was kind of going against the grain. This yeah. was adding up for me. This was like, yeah, yeah. I was into yeah. this.
1: And so that's like what years? So that's the mid-90s. Mid nineties. Really. Yeah. So ninety-three,
0: ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-four.
1: Uh-huh. And so, I'm just curious, like in you know, London and, yeah. you know, kind of just just, you know, hip hop, that movement. Was it? Was it at that point? Are you talking about like
0: notorious big yeah like that the, yeah. you're talking about tripod I mean, stuff i was getting yeah. into the, yeah you know, the east coast stuff uh-huh. quest. i wasn't so much into the two packs and, yeah. Um, yeah yeah doctor was, was a lot yeah. later the yeah. east coast stuff but you know england was we had the because we we had the america with the americana of the 80s it was big mm-hmm. the hip-hop mm-hmm. stuff that came from mm-hmm. the states it was big yeah you know, and oh, there was Obviously, after a certain period of time, it was going to influence people in the UK to start emulating and doing their own thing and having their own scene. And the interesting thing about growing up in London in particular was that we had this big influx of Caribbean people, people from Jamaica came over in the 50s and the 60s -hmm. as a workforce, essentially, but because they were part of the commonwealth, you know, they could come and work. So we had Caribbean culture coming over. We had reggae. Mm -hmm. We had all of that thing mixed in to mm-hmm. popular culture and this is something i'm realizing you know being older and being mm-hmm. spending more time over here and looking or in europe and mm-hmm. being able to look at from the outside and see how much influence that had and mm-hmm. yeah basically from there music got mashed up really between american and mm-hmm. jamaican culture essentially. interesting yeah and we have whole lineage of bass music that's kind of i guess a mixture of those two things basically that mm. from hip-hop then it sort of stems everything comes out and to some degree yeah it's interesting dude yeah
1: we could we could probably go down a whole music rabbit hole yeah. but it is interesting that we're old enough now that you can see how hip-hop has influenced new genres and, and yeah, so on completely. but that was a big big moment i mean i remember you know kind of even earlier, you know, Beastie Boys and, you know, some of certainly Tribe Called Quest, you know, some of the, you know, some of the players that were also very influential in the culture, you know, I can remember being in college and in San Francisco on a summer job and, you know, just like listening to the Beastie Boys and, you know, just the whole thing, you know, it really can get in you and shape who you are and what you Mm -hmm. do if you let it, but let's back up a little. So you, so you find the Bible, right. And, and you realize, you know, putting these pieces of the puzzle together, Mm -hmm. the music Mm -hmm. and the skateboarding and the culture and you discover in the art. And so, so how do you then move into actually starting
0: to get out in the streets and and work? Well, that was easy because I was already surrounded by it. Yeah. I mean, that's what was so incredible when yeah. i found that book it kind of i was already seeing it on my way to school and it was like a validating on the subway yeah and it was suddenly it was like a key to understand it was like translate it was something yeah it was like, this is a thing and there's a <laughs> right. this is like a whole thing and like because that book it had pictures of kids in their bedroom yeah you know, with the pictures of the paint rack and this. so you got uh-huh. to see like more of the lifestyle mm. So, yeah, just, I mean, getting involved was the easy bit because it was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I could touch it. I could see it. I could almost see people doing mm-hmm. it. You
1: know? and, and yet, you know, it was illegal. So so, what was it like for you to, like, you know, get out there and start working? And, and how much of the fact that it was illegal was either both exciting and also, you know,
0: scary? Uh, uh, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, both. I mean, but as a it's a young, it's a young person's sport really i mean it's really for kids because mm-hmm. when i think back to my mindset back then i wasn't thinking about getting arrested yeah the implications it was just fun mm-hmm. you know i mean we were obviously scared we we're obviously trying not to get caught right doing stuff but did you get caught yeah yeah <laughs> i got caught a few times yeah <laughs> what happens when you get caught uh it depends how old you are i mean you know when i say it's a young kids but you'd be surprised how young some of the kids doing these things you see Mm -hmm. 14 15 16 Mm -hmm. before you're 18 yeah get arrested they they call your parents up right (laughs) your mom gets called up (laughs) in the middle of the night just to come
1: would would your parents say knowing that they were like so supportive did they did were they pissed did they were they like all right come on home Yeah. yeah
0: pissed yeah (laughs) <laughs> they were pissed because you know i think especially my mum. you know she worried about me but she also did let me draw in my on my bedroom walls so she kind of felt like she'd let me do that so yeah like, why was i doing it in the street kind of thing but for me it was like well that's where i practice. but then obviously you know take it to the streets
1: right 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 yeah it's probably i would imagine as a parent there was part of her that was pissed yeah Part of her that had to, like, play the role of parent in being pissed, but actually was sort of happy or, you know, doing something you loved. Yeah.
0: And also, I, I, quite early on, I I became more interested in the aesthetic graffiti rather than the sport of the vandalism. and. Mm -hmm. It's obviously as a subculture, there's a million routes you can go down. Mm-hmm. People do it all kinds of different ways for different reasons. But mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. you get kids more into the kind of vandalism aspect of it and kids that get more into perhaps the artistic side. Of yeah, you could go different routes with that. Yeah. Routes. And quite early on, it was my kick was really pushing the aesthetic. Yeah. I really wanted to spend time seeing how far I could take this yeah. as, a, as a concept, as an idea. Yeah. And I'm still doing it today. Really, I was
1: going to ask that, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, yeah. but that—that's really just a part of who you are as an artist. That idea of still wanting to push it, expand it, yeah. see how far you can take it.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah. I, I, for me, I saw from quite early on that um, that you know what was done in the seventies and the eighties in New York. Mm. Come, <laughs> here, come here, there you go. What was done in seventies and eighties in New York was. Mm-hmm great incredible mm. and it was some of the most incredible stuff ever because they had no blueprint for what they were doing mm-hmm. they, nobody was showing them they were these guys were really creating mm. but i always felt like as an art movement it was only decades old i mean people have been painting portraits for much longer yeah so i always felt that there was potential to really take this idea of graffiti what is that Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Aesthetic, how far can you push that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's why quite beyond, I was, I was, you know, stopped writing just my name. And I was writing whatever, phrases, sentences, mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that was a very early on thing, but, you know, taking it, using typography was a way to reach everybody, mm-hmm. not just graffiti people mm-hmm. which is what most of it's about you know it's for other people that do graffiti it's difficult to decipher unless you're familiar with you know what i mean yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing this
1: idea of like how far can you push it mm. and kuda actually had said something earlier about you know when you when you if you stop i forget exactly the language you used. basically the idea was if you stop having a a big vision this desire to push it mm-hmm. then you stop being an artist and 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 so there's something about that i think outside of art too right mm-hmm. just this idea of like imagining our lives you know and continuing to not put limits on them right. you know yeah. okay well that that kind of leads me to something i was curious about i know that you studied then design communication at the Chelsea College of Art. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the decision to go into the academic world yeah. and study art from from an academic standpoint.
0: Yeah. Well, I you know in, in the UK you can basically when you're 16, you know you start your you start your A levels when you're 17, and those are mm. three subjects. Okay. That you major in. From that age. That's quite young, Mm -hmm. considering most of the rest of the world take all subjects, even through university and stuff. And you get to pick the three? Yeah. Yeah. Uh So I did French design, and those were my three. From Mm -hmm. 17, that's quite young. I mean, I knew all those other subjects. I was Mm -hmm. like, forget it. What was involved in design? So design was everything in the, I guess, from engine like engineering Mm -hmm. products, Mm -hmm. graphic Mm -hmm. design, anything that wasn't. What you would consider fine art okay and it was very broad mm-hmm. you'd be molding stuff with foam or designing a product or making a magazine or whatever mm-hmm. so i did those two subjects i dropped french after my first year of my a-level so from 17 i was only doing design and art mm-hmm. um so i always knew that that was you know what i was doing and then went on to i did a you do an art foundation something you do there which is a gap between finishing your A-levels, which finishes at 18, and before Mm -hmm. going to university. Mm -hmm. And in that year, you try everything Mm -hmm. to decide what you want to finalize on, you know, go to study at university. So I did like a week of everything, you know, sculpture, painting, product design, graphic design, whatever. At the end, I decided I wanted to do sculpture. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah. What was it about sculpture? Um, Because I was already into conceptual thinking. Mm -hmm. I made this sculpture in my class where I'd put flashlight on a telephone, Hmm. and the just playing, but the teacher freaked out. (laughs) He was like, "Light conversation, that's great," (laughs) and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, "Oh wow, like you can do this? Okay, cool. (laughs) That's great." So So I really (laughs) captured my imagination. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this." But then after one week of being in the fine art department. (laughs) Mm I really just felt like they weren't my people, going back to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. These were the kids at school that were smoking roll-up cigarettes, Mm -hmm. had kind of grubby clothes Mm -hmm. and were kind of sulking around and messy and everything was all over the place. After a week, I was like, I don't don't (laughs) think I can, I'm not sure... The ideas I love, but yeah. I don't know if I can deal with you guys yeah. drinking red wine and smoking cigarettes and stuff. This is not my bag. Yeah. So I went to see the graphic design department and they gave me a, an exercise to do, which involved, I wish I started, maybe I have it somewhere, yeah. involved basically making, cutting text out of a newspaper and making designs with it. And I was found it really fun. They were so impressed by what I'd done by cutting these words out and making these designs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Went and showed another tutor from the design department, and they were laughing like this guy tried to do fine art. Like, can you believe he wasn't going to do graphic design? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of guessed from there, I was like, okay, yeah, this is my thing. And and also, in those days, I don't know, I say in those days, but I mean, maybe it was those days, but back then, I felt like I needed to kind of learn something. Maybe it's partly to do with university costing money. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I needed to learn a trade that mm. so I could leave and get a job.
1: Yeah, so I was curious about that because I know that you worked in graphic design, yeah. still do. I think a little no, bit, not anymore. Not okay, oh no. Okay, okay. So, but you did for a period of time, and and there is always this this like, how am I going to make money? Maybe. I don't know. You can you can shed some light on this. Maybe people today, young artists, can connect dots a little bit easier on career path. But you know, there is you know, like even in my case, I studied architecture and city planning, but I wasn't sure how I was going to turn that into a career. Like real estate development wasn't something that I really saw a path forward to so i just like got a job yeah right and and so so especially with artists there seems to be a disconnect maybe there was a bigger one on how do i actually like pay my rent mm. and i'm curious you know how much of that played a role in why you went into graphic design or were you just did you did you like it you know love it
0: yeah i mean i think about that a lot now especially because obviously my mom mu- Although she was an actor and had times when she was on TV, my stepdad wasn't really earning. So I didn't come from a house that was all about earning money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something we talked about. Mm-hmm. I never went without stuff. Like It's not like we were in poverty or anything like that. But mm-hmm. we, we didn't, you know, we weren't, just wasn't really a thing. So I think for me, I didn't grow up with this kind of desire to make a lot of money. Maybe I'd seen as an example that you can be happy and live your life without having a lot of money, mm-hmm. just having enough. Mm-hmm. So, although I took this decision because of what you're saying, so mm-hmm. I could have a thing, it was never like, I'm going to make lots of money doing graphic design. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, I better have a job. Yeah. So I guess this is what it's going to be, because sitting in my room and painting a canvas isn't realistic. In fact, yeah. I remember I remember at the time thinking to myself, I can always make a painting. Yeah. Like, that's I can always do that. Did, did, did having the job
1: though, did did it, did allow you to have, you know, things so you could have basic needs so that you could also paint, or did you ever feel like you couldn't do the kinds of things you want to do artistically because you were so busy with your, your career, your day, your day life. hundred percent. Yeah. My, my son actually has been talking a little bit about that. You know, he likes to write and wants to be a writer and you know is thinking about like but he needs a job yeah you know and
0: if you have a job do you have the energy to write you know it's there's a bit of a dilemma there it's great and i have a great story but i'll keep it short but um basically what happened was i studied graphic design i graduated i fell in love with graphic design because i got a computer in my second year of university i did all of my studies up to the end of my first year of my degree without a computer Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. I mean, you just people just didn't have them. Right. Homes. Right. It wasn't a thing. Right. I didn't have one. Right. I was drawing everything. So Mm -hmm. once I got the computer, then I fell in love Mm. with Illustrator, Photoshop, Mm -hmm. InDesign, Mm -hmm. making print layouts. Whoa. And then I got into working at magazines. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated my design course I started designing a fashion magazine mm. and me and the, my boss the art director we did that for like four years four and a half years so mm-hmm. I've cut my teeth really making type and image layouts mm-hmm. for high-end fashion magazines mm. and then had my own eventually had my own business doing branding for fashion brands mm-hmm. we had our own fashion magazine we did that for like five and a half years. So Mm -hmm. it was like almost nine years really Mm -hmm. working in that world. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole time I was painting graffiti on the weekend for Mm -hmm. fun, Mm -hmm. not going out at night doing illegal stuff, but like going and spending a whole day, you know, doing what we were talking about, pushing the idea of graffiti, pushing the aesthetic just Mm -hmm. for fun with Mm -hmm. my friends, because it would be something you'd meet and do with all your friends on Mm -hmm. a weekend afternoon. Mm -hmm. And it just started to pick up traction, I guess, maybe because I was working well, I just I just started to get better, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It started to pick up traction to a mm-hmm. point where it was like, holy shit, like I'm seeing my friends start to make a living doing mm-hmm. this. And mm-hmm. It was one day, like business. I, I used to, I, ran, I was running it with two other people for a bit and then eventually was running it by myself. And it was one day I was in the car with my, and I was kind of at a crossroads with it because I'd been doing it by myself for a year or two. And she was like, you know. Why don't you do something with your graffiti, or painting? You know, you always really love that. Why don't you just do mm-hmm. do something with that? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of just like, from that moment on, I was just like, it, of course. Mm. And it took it took five years from that conversation to be full time, just doing my my prep stuff. I yeah. Guess, right? Yeah, because it took five years to develop like a whole idea of what that was going to be Sure, you know I knew that I was never going to make money or make a career painting small graffiti walls Mm -hmm. and that was never my ambition it was Mm -hmm. just fun to to do that so I spent five years kind of creating a world for that to be in that I could sort of begin to try and
1: I have a bunch of questions uh, based on what you've just shared let me just start with your Your mom, you know, brings something forward that is like a, a real light bulb for you. seems you know like it might have been kind of right in front of you, right? Yeah. But how important is it to get this validation? You, you know, you said it about kind of the the graphic design work too, you know, mm-hmm. where you're doing something mm-hmm. and people are seeing you and and your skill and and they're validating it yeah how important is that and how kind of you know it's i would think it's i know in my own little like you know experimentation with being an artist can be tricky Can it could be maybe a double-edged sword too because you know you don't want to fall into like people pleasing or it's all about you know selling something you know or other validation credentials, but Mm. there's some level of it that seems to actually be helpful too. The validation.
0: Yeah. The feedback, you know, the, I I think, I think if you, if you really go into it from a sort of psychological point of view, absolutely. I think on a more surface level, there's an instant gratification in seeing something progress for me. Yeah, Being able to see, think outside of the box and push that in a place where people are surprised about and mm-hmm. I surprise myself. Mm-hmm. You know, my early, really experimental graffiti stuff, I often didn't have a sketch. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do when I showed up in the morning and I'd come back with something that I was like, whoa, how did I even do that? Mm-hmm. So I think there's that instant, you know, a bit like cleaning the house. You know, you get like an instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Probably from a more psychological point of view, yeah, I think... Being a child of two parents that separated young, mm-hmm. having that validation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, from the stories that I've told, it's clear that, you know, getting that validation is something that I found rewarding. Mm-hmm. I was able to use that as motivation to continue. And, like, yeah, I didn't think about it at the time. Probably that was playing into, you know, me feeling good about. Mm-hmm. about that perhaps when you're you know parents separating for a kid it can you know leave that gap sometimes yeah. of feeling like you know was it you know not was it my fault like obviously i never thought that but mm-hmm. i think those there's elements of that kind of thing yeah for sure mm-hmm.
1: today i'm kind of curious at this point you know when when you think about starting a piece of work or a concept or um, as you're working on it you know how much if at all do you you know still worry about how it's going to turn out or you know maybe what people are going to think if the
0: if whoever hired you is happy you does
1: that factor in still to some
0: extent yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. i mean the mural process is different because by the time i've started painting it everybody already knows what it's going to be Mm -hmm. and it always looks exactly like the design because of the you know, the process and the yeah. sort of formula. So yeah. the mural painting is different and I just get to enjoy the process of painting it once mm-hmm. I start. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a worry am I gonna run out of this color or that color and stuff. But yeah, yeah, that sort of comes before, I guess, when I'm thinking about the ideas mm-hmm. and I'm conjuring up what is going to go on this wall because mm-hmm. it's always got to be a mixture of where I'm going with my journey of my work mm-hmm. and also trying to make it work in context as well, which is also really important for me. Mm-hmm. And some artists happy ignoring the context in some ways. Mm. they they're very much they do their thing and mm-hmm. it just goes wherever that's going to go. But mm-hmm. maybe it's my graphic design background or I really enjoy having a brief. And I think from a young age, I always thought in my head, like, if you want to make unique piece of work, you have to capitalize on what is unique about the situation. Mm -hmm. i mean from a creative point of view Mm -hmm. you know like the
1: context
0: the context yeah for example you know the wall that i had for this festival was right angle Mm -hmm. corner and i tried to think of stuff that would really use this corner but i don't i didn't want to go down a sort of gimmicky Mm -hmm. kind of route Mm -hmm. because a lot of my work in the past i felt you know, the more word joke, word trick things gets into a gimmicky kind mm-hmm. of area that I want to kind of stay away from in some degree. But I chose the word embrace because it really felt, and I filled the letters more than I have before mm. on anything. Because so I really wanted it to feel full mm-hmm. and like it was wrapping around you when you were mm-hmm. down there <laughs> looking, looking <after> at it. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Time, you know, mm-hmm. every every design I do, I want it to work. With, yeah, uh, in all of these different ways. You know, yeah, is it, is it does it make sense with the last piece I did? Mm-hmm. Is it making sense going forward to the next piece I want mm-hmm. to do? Is it enough of a kind of step forward? Mm-hmm.
1: It feels like a, a very healthy um, relationship with the desire for the outcome to to be what it is. Yeah, you know, which you know, I think there is a healthy way to be with that. You know that. It's more of a, a passion and a, a love and a care about what you're doing, mm-hmm. what you're creating, than it is like, I hope people like it. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, I always want to communicate something. Yeah. That's always at the core of my work. Yeah. And other people it is too, but sometimes it's less so much, you know, The point. Yeah. Some, some ways, like I'm literally saying a word. Yeah, like yeah. I'm literally spelling something out and I yeah. want people to eventually be able to work out what it says and have that, Oh, it says this. Oh, yeah. that's why did he say that? Oh, maybe because of this, maybe because of that.
1: Well, You know, i kind of struck by, I don't know if there's any connection, but there seems to be one to me, you know, really part of the reason why I like to do this format with the podcast is because you can kind of look back and really see how your life informs if you let it, you know, if if you choose to include all of the pieces into your life presently and mm-hmm. and, you know, go forward, you know, you can really see how it it can serve you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm just kind of laughing at myself because, you know, when I think about embrace, mm-hmm. you know, and this in this structure, this right angle of this garage. And the meaning of the word and the multiple meanings of the word and the depth of what you're creating, you know, I'm thinking of the flashlight on the phone, you know, that, that, you know, you have been playing with words and, you know, you've been aware that you don't want it to be gimmicky and there is meaning yet still in the words and the way that you're creating that, Mm -hmm. you know, does you know, kind of bring physical and emotional and and a lot of, you know, elements into the work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's always an an autobiographical aspect to it too. Because Mm -hmm. when I'm thinking of words, yes, I always choose words that have a multiple meaning, but one of them always has to really resonate with me. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's always an aspect of it that, yeah, it's autobiographical. So embracing is, you know, yeah, it's just... Yes, is obviously the brief. It is mm-hmm. what you had described. You wanted. I wanted it to embrace the environment. Mm-hmm. I really loved that when I put the design on there, it was the same colors as the Jaw mm-hmm. Boogie one on the side. It mm-hmm. was like, whoa, that's yeah. like it. So cool. It's like it yeah. was designed together, right? Know? So, like in terms of embracing the environment, I thought that was that mm-hmm. really worked well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and was that the what is the autobiography? Bio? Well, the. Yeah, the autobiographical ones, because this job also come, came at, you know, a really sort of poignant personal moment for me, because my dad had been fighting cancer for the last two years, pretty much, and was really sick, and actually passed away on the day that I received the email really coming to, wow. to do this project, hmm. which was great, because it was obviously really great news, and, you know, ended up being... That I would be starting on Father's Day, on a Sunday. Yeah. But also coming back to the hometown of my other father, yeah. or the home state of my other father to be yeah. sort of around his family and stuff. So yeah. it was like an incredible 360 yeah. moment. So yeah. the embrace for me is obviously partly to do with my dad and
1: yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm also... Um... I feel you know like it's it's all happening perfectly too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Let's just kind of wrap up a couple things. Yeah, it's just been great to to have you here and really enjoy you know spending time with you and do this all day. You know, we got a busy day, so we'll just do a little rapid fire and a few questions. Talk about like where you're going now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm curious about you continuing to experiment and and and, you know play with the work Mm. you know you have such a style that you know you could just you could just you know do what you're doing forever yeah but i get the sense that's not what you're gonna do and so you know talk about like how it will
0: how you see it evolving for yourself i mean part of part of it is to not know yeah 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 but the what my vision is and what my what I'm primarily interested in is the potential in letters. Mm. And I don't mean typography mm-hmm. I don't mean the science of letter design, because I'm actually not a fan of that. hmm I've, I've guess I've worked in aspects of that for my job, and you know, the science of drawing letters or making letters uh, into a readable piece of design is not something I'm interested in. I'm inter- interested in letters as individuals. And I've described it in the past as like letters on their day off, you know, because (laughs) every day they have, they carry a shoulder, a huge amount of responsibility, Mm -hmm. especially coming out of this pandemic and crisis Mm -hmm. time. We rely on typography and lettering to communicate important messages, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, life-saving messages Mm -hmm. in some way. So I'm interested in where can we go with letters a day off? How far can we take them? Where can, where can we go? And, that's why the other the other day I mentioned at the moment I'm interested in big letters. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to paint them as big mm-hmm. as I can. Mm-hmm. I want each. That's why I paint each letter a different color because I really want them to feel free as individuals. Because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like using group of friends in different formations every mm-hmm. time. Here's a mm-hmm. B, you know. I used the B last time and it's mm-hmm. pink. This time <laughs> it's yellow. You know, mm-hmm. it's just up there. On top of the R, you know, his friend, the R there. And so I'm interested <laughs> I love in this. that, th- yeah. letters on the day off. Yeah. It's
1: really great. That should be the name of your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. So I still believe there's huge potential that lessers have beyond their use, beyond yeah. their function of communication.
1: I'm reminded uh, right now, my, my friend, Christopher Celeste, um, who's been a partner in this project and, mm-hmm was was early on involved with this concept of gravity even before we knew exactly what it was we met he was actually working on this white paper about an idea of community and i was working on building physical communities and came together and started coming up with this idea of gravity and he came from a a digital marketing background and he said something to me and I've repeated in the podcast before that words matter. And I didn't see it that way. In fact, I think we argued about it because I thought, you know, it doesn't, you could call it anything, you know, I mean, there's yeah. Google and it's, it's what it becomes, you know, mm-hmm. it's really what it becomes that matters. That's what makes the name. And he argued the opposite that, you know, the words really matter. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, he actually is the one that came up with gravity And, and then gifted it to me to do all of this with, and, you know, as time has gone on, I realize just how much words do matter, you know, and there's power in the way that you talk about letters, you know, and as, as personalities, as individuals, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You go pretty deep with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah. Uh, I've got plans for the future of how I can sort of extrapolate on that idea. uh Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I see letters everywhere, and I I think it's a G. I like G. That's my my initial of my second name, so I'm fond of G's and P's. So I notice them everywhere. But okay, Uh, one
1: other thing I was curious about because of your background in graphic design and the work that you do, we talked a little bit about this last night, but the the role that technology plays and has. I mean, you talked about getting that computer, right? right? And I'm curious, you know, how you see those worlds continuing to coexist and support each other and, you know, what, what happens and maybe, you know, none of us know, but how you can see it continuing to influence your work.
0: Well, I think for me personally, I mean, the, the next frontier of where I want to go is a three-dimensional space. Mm -hmm. I've been working on a couple of things for almost a year now of a three-dimensional kind of capacity, like physical, big Mm -hmm. physical letters. I mean, that is ultimate for me. I mean, just like I paint them, Mm -hmm. but like three-dimensional. So that's that's one frontier. But what you're talking about with the technology is um obviously they we have this new web three frontier, Mm -hmm. this new idea of the metaverse and everything else that I guess is coming off the back a little bit of the whole cryptocurrency mm-hmm. nft world thing where we've mm-hmm. got like a digital world digital mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. people are buying three-dimensional spaces mm-hmm. you know houses mm-hmm. you know there's the stuff happening and we want to we want to explore how our work fits into that so mm-hmm. yeah my work will be three-dimensional in this reality but mm-hmm. i'm very much interested in three-dimensional letters mm-hmm. and how they can enjoy their day off in web3 world eventually mm-hmm. it's not really my interest in mm-hmm. terms of being able to do it myself mm-hmm. but when i think about the future of technology and i think about I mentioned last night the uh, it's always going to be a tool mm-hmm. it's not going to be the final thing you know, mm-hmm. it's going to help people bring their artwork to life mm-hmm. in a three-dimensional space that is fictional but I mean, it opens up a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. It's
1: funny how uh, afraid people are of it. You know, I think when you put it in the context, and maybe there's good reason, you know, to some extent to be afraid of it because, you know, it certainly has influenced our culture and maybe some ways that are not good. But when you think about it as a tool, I think it really changes, you know, the, the context that, you know, usually what happens with, tech is it just sort of weaves its way in you know it's not like it it's you know i mean you could argue it's a little all-consuming but it feels a little bit more natural in reality than it does sort of in your imagination of what
0: it is i think so you know the unfortunate thing is while we're here talking about a mural i've just painted on the side of a wall this whole time there have been people working really hard in that space to make that come to life and do that so mm-hmm. it takes a while for people to catch up oh yeah you know and that's why it's this whole thing i mean social media happened it wasn't great but it's here and i think web3 is the same thing it's just mm-hmm. coming
1: yeah it just is do you see do you see like any correlation to you know when you talk about crypto and and web3 there is it feels to me like it has some flavor of the skateboards so, right I'm i mean so it is like said. disruptive yeah. it's like let's yeah. let's fucking do it differently yeah. and better yeah yeah
0: and that's why i've become slightly interested in it and yeah. avoided all nft everything yeah just because it's so littered with i would call bad art yeah like, i don't think art is as big a part of that world than the collectability and the the other aspects of nft which yeah. make it so much fun right it's not about the aesthetic yeah it's just not yeah and i think any good visual artists that have tried to get involved have done pretty poor nft yeah. things not really using the idea you know going back to you want to make a unique piece of work got yeah. to capitalize on what's unique about nfts and that's when it gets interesting it's yeah people are creating this whole thing you can do with the trading and right. they, they change and they, right. they you know you buy it then it right. the egg hatches and all of that stuff like yeah that's that's capitalizing on what is interesting about that space yeah not damien Hurst putting a jpeg of a painting i mean that's right just like yeah just like a not that i've seen that but i'm saying that yeah like the other end where it's just like well here's just an image of my work and mm-hmm. it's gonna sell for two million dollars or whatever mm-hmm.
1: yeah I agree. I think it's the utility that really gets interesting. We've talked about, you know, do we, do we somehow create an opportunity for people to own part of this community Mm. using NFTs and smart contracts and, you know, it's it's just, it's still early. It's It's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of get it all to work because you still are stuck with the existing infrastructure. You, know, you got banks, and you know,
0: and most people you know. are just like, where Where do I even begin? How do I even How do I Bitcoin? You know, right, what, what, right. How do I even right.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of early days, you know. Like you know, imagine somebody turned on a computer and yeah. trying to figure out how to graphic design. I mean, you know, it wasn't straightforward. Yeah. You know, right out of the gate. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up you shared some, some pretty simple, but really good advice last night. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just for people to hear, you know, your words for other artists, for other creatives, you know, last night you said, just do it. And, you know, maybe you could just expand a bit on that, you know, as, as it's, it's simple advice, but it's, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much resistance. There's so many people out there that don't have homes filled with creatives and the support they need. It might be scary to think about getting up on a big wall or to just even, you know, spraying something. Yeah. So, you know, just maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the, the just do it advice. Yeah.
0: The just do it thing. It's basically, if you're, if you enjoy something, then you're going to be good.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that you really enjoy, you know, some people call it your zone of genius or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But if there's something that you do when the rest of the world just disappears and mm-hmm. you're fully in that thing, and it makes you feel good, that is what you need to do as much of in your life mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. Make as much time for that as you can. Whatever that is, yeah, that might be doing spreadsheets for somebody, right? That might be walk, you know, walking dogs or whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, you know thinking of ideas around letters. Mm-hmm. Like thinking of ideas for what I could do with this. So yeah, just do it. Like if mm-hmm. they're, you know, you're 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 gonna do more of whatever you do. That's the other thing mm-hmm. behind the just do it. hmm You know, if I decided tomorrow I wanted to make money doing flower arranging, mm-hmm. I would have to start doing it. The yeah. more I did, the more I would do. You're right. You know? People would see it then. But if I sit, start here thinking about making flower arranging for mm. five years, I'm not getting anywhere. You just have to start. You have to start. You just have
1: to start. Yeah. If
0: I want to sell more canvases, I've got to paint more canvases. Yeah. Because that's where the energy is going in the world. I mean, that's what yeah. people are seeing. Yeah. And I get people all the time. People are saying to me, oh, I'd love to do my art full time, but I still need to do that. So I still need to do that. And mm. I just say, you've just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't enjoy it, you won't be good at it. Yeah. It's not going to work. Right. Yeah. It sounds stupid, it's really that simple. It is. It is really that simple.
1: And I would imagine if you were doing flower arranging, you'd be arranging them in letters
0: <laughs> <laughs> for dead people. <laughs> yeah, probably that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, let's wrap up there. It's been great to spend some time with all of you and yeah, we'll we'll look forward to staying in touch and yeah seeing i'm excited to see where things go great
0: yeah thank you so much
1: all right thank you thank you for listening to the gravity podcast please subscribe to the show at apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts to learn more about the entire gravity project please go to gravityproject.com please check out the podcast on instagram at the gravity podcast music heard of the show is provided courtesy of kyle lamoro and oliver oak